0: Welcome to View from the C Suite, where we have candid conversations with female executives about key business challenges, career advice and more. This series is brought to you by Wong Duty, the Global Experience and Design Unit for Infosys. I'm Skylar Matson, your host and president of Wong Duty. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening to our global audience. Welcome to the 10th episode of View from the C Suite. Women Leaders in Conversation, I'm Skylar Mattson, President of Wong Duty, the Global Experience and Design Unit for Infosys. Today's episode is called Know Yourself. We're talking about the importance of self-knowledge in leadership. The best leaders understand who they are. They know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, and how to work with both. But how exactly do you do that? How do you build this habit of self-awareness into your direct reports and teams? This is gonna be a great discussion, but before we dive in, a quick reminder to our amazing audience. We'll take your questions during the last 15 minutes of our 45 minute show. You do not have to wait until uh, question time to pop your your ideas in. You can go ahead and throw them in the chat at any time. Uh, to, To ground this conversation, I wanna introduce something called the Johari window. There are a lot of YouTube videos on this if you wanna check it out after the show. Um, It's a really interesting technique that's designed to help people better understand themselves and others in order to communicate more effectively. Um, There are four windows describing how well you know yourself and how well others know you. Um, I'm gonna simplify it. Um, The first window here is called the open self. Um, These are things I know about myself and those who know me also know. Pretty easy. The second area is the hidden self. Uh, these are things I know about myself, but you don't know. They're, they're things that I'm keeping hidden for one reason or another. Um, the third area is the blind self. It's opposite of the, the hidden self. So there are things I don't know about myself, but they're apparent to others. They they might be apparent to my team, people I work with. Um, that hidden self, or excuse me, that blind self can be reduced by seeking feedback from others. And it's a really important area to understand in order to communicate more effectively. And that's the area that we're gonna be talking about today. I have two amazing guests to tackle this topic. Both have been so open and authentic with me in preparing for this episode, I usually say thanks at the end, but I'm going to say thanks right now, um, because I think that this topic requires more vulnerability than some of the other topics that we've had on the show. And really, I I couldn't have asked for two better guests than both of you. So some formal introductions. Um, I'm so honored to introduce Mary Beth Edwards, SVP, CIO, and CTO at Sally Beauty, where she's leading transformation and technology strategy supporting the company's digital transformation. Mary Beth came to Sally Beauty from Aero Electronics, where she spent 24 years with her final position being vice president of global business operations. And my favorite thing, Mary Beth is a combat veteran and held the rank of major promotable in the U.S. Army. Mary Beth, thank you for your service, and thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Skyler. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here today, and I'm so looking forward to the conversations. so thank you.
0: Thank you. I'm also excited to welcome Deb Battaglia, SVP of Customer Experience at Assurant, where she drives CX strategy throughout the global enterprise by leveraging strong talent, cutting-edge CX methodologies, and human-centered design, something we talk a lot about at Long Duty. Uh, Prior to Assurance, Deb spent 18 years at USAA in a broad range of disciplines, including operations, product management, DE&I, HR, agile and strategic business transformations. Deb is passionate about the development of women and girls and strives to make an impact in her community, something I admire so much, Deb, Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. This is one of my favorite topics. I'm really excited. Okay, let's, let's dive in. So Deb, I'll start with you. Um, throughout your life, what have been some of the ways that you've learned about who you are?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a couple facets to how we learn about ourselves, right? And so for me, for me personally, I would say first, um, I've always been a voracious reader. Fiction, nonfiction, I mean, I think anything, whether it's articles or books, even if you're not like a big reader, um, I think having that external viewpoint on your on on world events or other people, it really gives you insights on yourself that you can apply and look at it from kind of that outside perspective and say, um, you know, am I similar to that? Am I different from that? How does that apply to me? Um, And then secondly, I've just really been very, very blessed in my professional life to work for organizations that put a really high premium on coaching and feedback. And when you live in a culture of needing to be open to hearing not just about your strengths, but about your opportunities as well, then you get used to that. You get used to building that muscle over time. And after a while, you just start doing it yourself, right? Uh, post-mortem or, or, you know, retrospective. How did that go? What could I do differently? Um, how can I improve the next time? So um, I think reading and just living in, in places where there's a culture of openness and feedback have been really, really critical to to learn about who I am and how I show up.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate that idea of reflection when you're reading and thinking back to how it applies to you. One of the values at Wong Duty is continuous improvement. And so we are big on postmortems as well and asking for feedback it's something that's hard to get comfortable doing. So we'll come back to some of the techniques that we can all use to get more comfortable, both giving and receiving feedback, um, both positive and um, areas to improve, continuous improvement. Um, Mary Beth, I wanna ask you the same question throughout your life, what have been some of the best ways that you've learned about who you are?
1: You know, I, I, would, I would ladder on to, to Deb's comments about reading. Um, I'm an avid reader as well and enjoy all types of uh, different types of literature. But for me, it's really been about experiences. Um, it's, been, it's been an opportunity to be able to step into new experiences or portions of the business um, and learn from those things and create a toolbox that you can take along with you. I was really fortunate um, at Arrow Electronics. I had many jobs. Maybe some folks would say I couldn't keep a job. But I always had an opportunity to stretch into a new experience and be able to build that toolbox and take those skills and capabilities along with me to the next role.
0: I like that idea of a toolbox to sort of like collecting, collecting things along the way. Let's think about that blind spot, okay? The areas that others might know about me, but I don't know about myself. I mean, we're just getting right into it. Um, Deb, do you have? Any examples you're comfortable sharing where you learned about something in your
2: your blind spot, something that was pointed out to you? Absolutely, I have I have a lot of examples. Actually, um, again, you know, when you have a culture of coaching and feedback, you get you get used to hearing things that that you weren't aware of or that others spotted. But one in particular, I would say, stands out to me. Um, there's a point in everybody's career where you go from being an individual contributor and you're just doing all the work yourself to collective impact, leveraging the talents and skills of other people to get work done. And so, um, you know, I had taken on an assignment and I really was used to being the one doing a lot of the work. And so I drove creation of a roadmap and I was moving fast and pushing hard and my boss pulled me aside and said, you know, Deb, you're really, really good at at getting work done quickly. But in this case, I really need you to slow down because you have to slow down in order to include others. Right. Speed is good, but not everybody moves at the same pace. And so be aware of yourself and the fact that you may be moving too fast for other people to kind of latch on and be aligned and take the time to explain to them. Here's what here's here's the vision. Here's a long term Um, you know, impact of what we're trying to do so that they can be as engaged and involved as you so that what you create collectively is better than what any one person could have done individually.
0: And what was it like when you heard that feedback?
2: Well, there's a part of you that wants to go, oh, you know, gosh, I missed the mark. I feel terrible, right? A defensiveness almost. Um, But another part recognizes the truth in that feedback. And I'm thankful, really thankful, because those Those conversations are not easy to have, and um, for a leader to take time out and give you that feedback, it's an investment. They care. They care about me. They care about my success, and so you recognize the truth in it, and then it's like, okay, so I can do that. Let me shift my approach and do something different. And was it a difficult shift to be like, slow down,
0: (laughs) bring others along, not individual contributor, collective impact? I like that phrase a lot, collective impact. Was, yeah. was that a shift that was was difficult? Did you have to constantly
2: remind yourself? Constantly, especially in the first few years. But again, practice makes perfect, right? So, so I feel like now, ten years later, it's something that I excel at. But when I first started doing it, man, it's clunky, it's clumsy. What do you mean I have to slow down? That means I'm not going to deliver right on time, right? And and so, um, you know, getting the buy-in of why am I getting this feedback? What's important about it? Why is it important that I apply it? Uh, so that you can, you know, repetition and habit and build that in um, daily reminders. Use my calendar, right? Uh, who did you talk to today to make sure that that I slowed down? Yep. So
0: having self awareness is one thing, but I think being open and sharing that knowledge with others is is something else. And we all have to make decisions about how much we're going to reveal about ourselves at work. I mean, I think. When I first started, I had my professional self and then my outside of work self. And as time has gone on, I have personally felt more comfortable sharing. I think our incoming employees, there's a different, there's sort of a generational shift where there's an expectation as leaders to be more open. And, and that takes a little bit of, of getting used to. Um, Mary Beth, I'm interested to know if you have general guidelines for yourself about what you'll reveal to your team. Are there things that you don't want to talk about um, things that you're very open about? And has that changed throughout your career?
1: Wow. That's, that's a, that's a big question, Skylar. So I'm going to try to put it into some, some sizable, um, sizable bites, if you will. I do agree with you completely that I think culture has changed in terms of what, um, what your teams and what your team members expect in a leader in terms of they want to know who you are as an individual. They want to know who you are as a human. Um, they want to know what you stand for. They want to be able to relate to you. Um, I think the pandemic has made that even more important, that you're relatable to people, that they can, they can connect with you. I mean, connecting virtually is different than connecting in person, right? You miss so many of the clues. Um, and, you know, early in my career, just like you, I had a personal point of view about who I was at work. And I had a an outside point of view. And most of my stories with my teams all stopped with my horses for many years with an avid horsewoman, did eventing. Um, and that's kind of where my stories stopped and I had the opportunity to get some executive coaching at Arrow and spend time with leaders and, and ask the teams for feedback as I got 360s. And some of that feedback was hard in terms of, you know, we don't know you past this point, right? And so there became a point where I said, you know what, I have to be really honest and a lot more transparent and vulnerable with my team so they know who I am completely. Um, and, and being a gay woman and growing up in, in the 80s and the 90s and spending time in the military, that was just something you didn't talk about um, for fear of, of other things that could happen. And so there was always a stopping point in my life. And um, I remember the first time that I had some of those conversations about who I was as a human being, who was important to me in my life. Um, I'm like, OK, that went OK. I can do it again. Um, and then it just started to become a little more a part of, of nature. But, um, you know, sharing about my wife, my kids, I now have grandchildren. Um, but I'll tell you that as many times as I did it and shared kind of my beliefs and, and who I am as a human being, making the transition from a company that I've been with for 24 years to a new company, um, it kind of dredged up all those feelings again about being vulnerable, about being transparent. Um, and I just decided, you know what, I, this is who I am and the company and my team is either gonna embrace me for, for how I show up um, or we're gonna have to find ways that, we've, that we, we could cultivate a relationship a little differently. Um, and so to me, that was a big breakthrough and, you know, now we talk about, you know, we talk about the weekend, um, we talk about what's important in terms of what's happening in the current news and, and things of that nature. And I think it has allowed me to be more relatable um, as, as a leader. And I think the other thing it has done, it has given the team the ability to talk about things that maybe they wouldn't talk about previously. You know, there's a lot of conversations in the news and in, in many workplaces about mental health. Um, and you'd be surprised about how people feel a lot more comfortable having a conversation about a struggle when you're transparent and vulnerable with your own self. A little bit of a longer story, so I apologize for the length of that. But No,
2: I, I, I love it, Mary Beth. I think it, you're so right. Um, and I found that to be true as well that when you are authentic, when you're able to just shine in your own personal authenticity, it really empowers other people to do the same right You serve as a as a beacon as a an example that other people feel comfortable to emulate and, but it's really hard that vulnerability is hard to to kick off when you're not used to it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that but you're right it does and it, it changes the conversation and I think, you know, as leaders, we want to be able to have a conversation that's focused on the business, but leading is a bigger role, right? I mean, we, you know, I always look at it as it's a privilege, um, and I want to be able to instill that same, that same mindset with my leaders and my leaders' leaders, because I think it just permeates and it creates a much more cohesive organization that can, can get through those challenging times um, a little easier than, than maybe how we would have if we hadn't had that linkage.
2: Yeah, we're humans first and workers second, right? Amen.
1: Yeah. You were on a call I was on this morning. I said those same things this morning to a colleague.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think that leading
0: by example is so important, showing your team it's okay to show up as your whole self. We aren't we don't just go to work and go home. And especially in the past couple of years where we've worked from our homes, we've literally brought our our lives into just one one area of both work self home self and and I think that blend is important and as leaders being open to sharing and encouraging our team to do the same is so important I wrote down leading as a privilege that is that is such a beautiful thought and I think such an important way to approach approach leadership so speaking of the pandemic and being home I mean there were so many stresses that have come with it and continue to come to come with it I think part of self-awareness is, knowing like, oh, whoa, I'm losing my cool right now. (laughs) I'm going to need to check myself, like take a deep breath. This isn't how I want to show up for my team, but that's not always easy. (laughs) So Deb, do you have any advice? Like how do you, when you're stressed,
2: calm yourself down? Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's funny because this used to be a really big um, area of opportunity for me personally. I'm kind of a wear your heart on your sleeve kind of person, right? Um, but one thing that I've learned a lot about over the years is about emotional intelligence and just understanding that you know how you show up, your actions have an impact on the people around you, particularly, you know, like you said, Mary Beth, leading is a privilege, but it means that that people are watching and they're gonna take their cues from you. So, so you always have a choice in any given scenario, you can react or you can respond, right? So you can let the, the situation just have an impact and let those emotions show up, or you can say, you know, logically, let me apply some purposeful thought to this. Um, You know, how do I want to respond in this situation? Um, And I think giving thought and purpose to that and recognizing that, People are going to look to you and look to me for how I engage in a situation. That right there is a reality check, right? That'll soothe and, and kind of calm the stress level. I think another thing is just assume positive intent. Nobody shows up and goes, who can I make mad today? Right? Nobody, Nobody shows up with that intent. Everybody's doing their best. It's just when you run into a situation where you miss each other in conversation or, you know, there's misaligned priorities or there's something that's in the way of that. Just assume positive intent. Assume the other person is doing the best they can. And um, and and that kind of tends to bring it down. Um, and then lastly, it's just perspective. Right. The vast majority. There are some people first responders, military whose jobs are literally life and death. But for the vast majority of us, it's not, right? There's almost nothing that's going to happen in a corporate environment on a day-to-day basis that that can't be fixed or undone if, if a mistake gets made or something like that. It's important work, but it's usually not so much that that we need to sacrifice our emotional health our physical health because of it. Right. I like to remind my team, this is insurance, not Congress. Like it's, it's all going to be okay. Right. Yeah.
1: We would, we would
0: joke at long duty. It's only advertising. It's not brain surgery. And exactly. then we had a hospital as a client and it actually was advertising for brain surgery. So <laughs> actually sometimes it is brain surgery.
2: Sometimes it is. Yeah.
0: Sometimes it is, you know, I, I, I do feel a little bit of a conflict of this, you know, bring your authentic self to work and, and show up as who you are and be honest about how you feel. And then as leaders, you know, everyone's looking to you. Like before I walk through that office door, I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a smile on my face because I'm lucky to be here and I'm happy to be here. But sometimes you're not feeling that. I had a coach tell me once, if you're coming in hot and you've just gotten off a call and you're going into another meeting and you're riled up, it's okay to name it. Yes. It's okay to name it. It's okay to come in and say, guys, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling today. I've got a lot on my plate. I'm, I'm a little jumpy. It's not you. Mm -hmm. I'm working through it right now. And I felt like that was really freeing to hear like, okay. Like a part of being authentic is, is also naming, naming it. And yeah,
2: and it's important from a communication standpoint too, right? Because in the absence of information, people will make things up. So if I'm, you know, if I have an irritation from something earlier in the day, and I carry that into my interaction, they're naturally going to think it's them. And so it's important to say, you know, exactly like you said, this is, um, you know, I apologize. Let me, let me shift my perspective for this meeting, because I'm still carrying some stuff with me throughout the day, right? Yeah.
1: I find that so useful to be able to say, you know, I'm a little frustrated about something. Um, you know, I'm, my team will hear me say this, you know, I'm seeking to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do we get clarity on on either the problem we're trying to solve or the perception that somebody thinks we haven't resolved something quick enough? Um, but I, I do think we're human, right? And sometimes we're going to get frustrated. As, as great as leaders and human beings we think we are, it's natural that we sometimes get a little frustrated. I think it also allows the team to realize, you know what, you it's okay for you to be a little frustrated, or it's okay for you to be a little disappointed about something. But then how do, we, how do we recover and turn that into a really positive event, right? So how do we take that and turn it into a positive, right? Because to your point, we're you know, and I say to the team, look, we're we're selling shampoo and hair color, and we know how to help somebody get their hair color straightened back out again, like mine. Like mine was purple a couple of days ago, and now it's pink, and that's okay. Um, but we can fix that. We know how to fix things. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, one of the great um, comments that a, a really amazing mentor of mine said to me one time, as you think about um, dealing with frustrations or dealing with the stress of work, is that you have two shadows. You have a shadow that precedes you when you walk in to, a, to an event or a meeting, right? Somebody always has a, there's always been a perception formed about you, whether it's correct, not correct from, from a previous engagement, things that people have said. So you're always walking in with this preconceived notion about who you are, how you're going to react, or how you're going to behave about something. And in that meeting, you have an opportunity to adjust that perception um, maybe it's the perception you want them to have, you can make modifications. Um, but then the other, the other um, shadow is when you leave, right? How do you leave the room? How do you make sure that if it was a great conversation, you're celebrating those things? If we're problem solving to get to an outcome that you know, maybe is a little more chunky because hey, this new thing came up and we haven't quite thought our way through that. You know, How do you leave the team feeling encouraged um, how do you leave them feel empowered to to solve those problems? And then maybe when you walk into the next meeting, their perception or that that uh, shadow that precedes you has a different tenor to it.
0: That's so powerful. I think it's important as leaders to think about when we have an interaction with someone or an entire team. How do we leave them feeling about themselves?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And that yeah. that. Oh, go ahead.
1: I apologize, Kyla. I, I wanna uh, hear what you have to say. <laughs> I just, you know, and, and, and I, Deb, I don't know if this resonates with, I'm not sure where each of you are with folks coming back into the building. Um, I stepped into my new role while we were all, most of the team was out working in hybrid. And so I didn't put faces with names. I mean, I saw them on my screen, but you know, you start to meet people in the office and, um, I realized a couple weeks ago, I was walking through the office and I would say hello to somebody. I'd I'd introduce myself, but I didn't take the extra pause to say, hey, how are you doing? How does it feel to be back in the office? Um, First of all, I I kept getting shocked that there were more people because I've been used to to leading on the floor with nobody here. But I'm like, holy cow, Mary Beth, you got to stop. You can take two more seconds. And say, hey, how does it feel to be back? You know, are there things that you think we should be thinking about differently? And, and to your point, leaving them feel better about the change because coming back to the office has been a big, a big adjustment for all of us. So I, I just wanted to share that, um, that thought.
2: Yeah, no, that that human connection I think is is so important, right? That, I mean, people need people. Uh, solitary confinement is a punishment in every culture in the world. So these two years have been really tough on connection, human connection with other people, whether it's in the the workplace or in our social lives. And so, um, you know, just that that and that's an important facet, not just of leadership, but just in general, in your life, right? How are you building that tribe around you, whether it's coworkers, whether it's peers or leaders or employees or friends or family, um, to, to enrich your life and to be that outlet that, that you can, you know, we were talking about the, the pressures, that's the stress relief valve, having that community around you that you can, um, that can comfort you.
0: Right. Thinking about this hybrid environment, do you think it's been more difficult to share feedback about blind spots when you are not in the same room have there been any techniques maybe the same techniques you'd use in person when you want to share something with someone about an area that they can improve and do it in a way that doesn't deflate them but maybe inspires them to to try a different approach
2: I think, I think there's, there's pros and cons, right? I mean, on the con side, I would say not being able to see people in person and see them as frequently reduces your, um, the frequency that you see the behaviors you're trying to coach to, right? So you're going on a little bit more limited information. On the other hand, I think tough conversations are actually easier when you can create space, right? That you can give somebody an exit plan. If I, if I want to give you some really tough feedback, then I want to give you time to marinate on it. Right. And if we're in person, you may feel the need to respond right away. But if we're over a zoom call, I can say, look, I want to give you this information, but then I want to touch base with you again tomorrow to just see, you know, how you're feeling about it and and what your thoughts are. Um, so I think, I think there's pros and pros and cons like anything else. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that. Giving yeah. someone space to sort of reflect, mm-hmm. reflect again and then Respond. You know, I think many folks probably engaging here are going, great, yeah, you're sitting in the C-suite and you're giving feedback to your team. You know, how do I, how do I give feedback to my boss or a manager who doesn't notice something in their blind spot? And how do I talk to my manager about how they are more effective with me? Uh, Mary Beth, have you been in a situation where you've had to sort of manage up and needed to give feedback up? And do you have any advice for that?
1: Yeah, there, there, there's been a couple of a couple of occasions. And, you know, I think there there's always a piece of, OK, I, I really feel like I need to say this, but let me let me take the breath and make sure that I'm saying it with the intent in which I which I meant I mean it. Um, and I think having the relationship with your boss is is an important way to be able to do that. Right. Um, but I had an amazing um, boss at my other company who was so uber smart. I mean, he was, he was a data-driven individual. Um, statistics and, and data and numbers was his thing, and that's the way he viewed the world, and that's the way he looked at our piece of the business. Um, but I could see sometimes when he would be trying to share those insights with folks that maybe were um, either a peer to me or potentially a little bit, um, uh, you know, a director or so below, they just weren't grasping it. Um, and then there would be confusion in terms of what the ask was. There would be some confusion in terms of what the deliverable was going to be, and then that created some friction. Um, and so we, I, you know, we had a conversation, and I said, I know your intent is to always share what's most important to you, and you're trying to get us, the whole team, to look at things with data, der- data-driven decisions, um, and help us be more informed on on why we're making a decision, but. There's, there's some of the team members just are struggling a little bit with the language or the concepts. And I'm like, I was like, t- I took a breath after I said it. I'm like, okay, this could not be a good outcome. Um, and he said, you know, he, he molded over for a little bit and he said, you know, I, I appreciate that you had um, the confidence to tell me that. And he said, I could see a little bit of, you know, you get a little bit of that deer in the, in the headlights look um, when folks aren't quite getting it. And, um, you know, we worked. We worked jointly to try to bring the team along and to help, help evolve kind of just some of the words that, that would be used, and you could see the team starting to gel a little bit better, but they just didn't, have, some of them didn't have the confidence to say, I don't know what you just asked me to do. Now, you know, I have a lot of blind spots, and I have a lot of things that I still love to learn every day, and I've just decided if I don't understand something that the boss is telling me, it's on my face, so I'm just going to say it help help me i think this is what you said but let me let me ask a couple of clarifying questions has always been a good a good rule of thumb for me
0: and and how do you stay open to feedback how do you stay open to perhaps shifting a point of view or the way that you thought things should be done and hearing feedback and needing to
1: adjust you know it's um i i take a breath and I'm like, usually my first response is, "Holy cow! Why didn't I think of that? How did I, how did my brain, or how did my peripheral vision not go far enough to contemplate that?" Um, and I, you know, I think, I think Deb said it. It's a gift, right? I mean, all those interactions and all those conversations with whether it's my current CEO or a board member. It just allows you, if you're open to continually growing, it doesn't matter where you sit in the organization. If, you're, if the heart of you is about learning and growing, then you take those things back in and you, I, once again, I'll use my analogy, you add them to the toolbox.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you start to have a different point of view and a lens um, about how do I think about things with a, with a different point of view. You know, Deb, you do a lot with user experience and customer experience. And you can never go wrong if you, if you start with the customer and work your way back. But even as I've tried to make sure that that's the way I think about it is leading technology and transformation, you sometimes miss on a nuance that you're like, oh, holy cow, I wish I'd have thought of mm-hmm. it that way. So I think being open is yeah. key.
2: It is. I also think trust plays a really good, a really big role in terms of of openness to feedback, right? And it goes back to relationship building. If you have a trusting relationship with somebody, if you believe that they are coming from a place of wanting you to succeed, whether that's your boss giving you feedback or you giving your boss feedback or within a team, right? We're all in it together. And if that's a trusting relationship, then there's an openness to it and sometimes people Just haven't taken the time to look inward. But to Mary Beth's point, they want to do well. And so there's usually an openness to hearing it, but that trust doesn't happen overnight. And if you don't have, if what you're dealing with is a relationship that doesn't have a lot of trust, then forget the feedback for a minute. You've got to focus on building a relationship that's built in trust, right? It doesn't happen overnight. You cannot fake it. <laughs> Trust is one thing you can't fake no matter what you do. Um, but it goes back to, are you investing in yourself by being open to the, to the feedback? And are you investing in others by building relate, trusting relationships and providing um, feedback to, to help you succeed together as a team?
1: Hmm. Yeah, if I could, Scott, if I could go back to one of the questions that you, you posed to Deb about feedback in the moment you know, I think one of the things that I saw with, with my team and probably myself is it's easier to give feedback, I think, when you're face to face in that moment that says, hey, you know, that was a, you know, I think we tend to always do that was really great. But if there's something you'd like to maybe see somebody adjust just a wee bit, um, you're like, no, I don't want to do it now. We've got to get off the, the Zoom call or the WebEx on to the next thing. And you miss those moments. And so, and I saw some of my, you know, my my managers and senior managers struggle with with being able to take the time to do that versus, you know, you're at the coffee pot or you're in the, you know, in the cube island um, to be able to do those things. And so we've been focusing more on how do we give those that feedback in the moment.
2: Yeah, I think that's really that's a really really good point. It's um, about the comfort level of the person giving the feedback as well and the the proximity of the feedback to the, to the event. But you also make a really good point about complimenting strengths and being really specific. A lot of people say, Oh, that was a good job. Um, But tell them specifically what they did well, so they can build upon that behavior and replicate that behavior, right? Be as specific with your compliments as you are with your, with your um, constructive feedback. I think that's a really important point. I
0: agree. And I would build on it. I think when you can compliment someone in front of the rest of the team as well.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, that can be powerful as well.
2: Take into account their personal preferences, though, that that's a really personal thing. And I've had I've actually complimented people publicly who afterwards asked me never to do that again. They're uncomfortable. I didn't like it. I don't like being the center of the spotlight. Please don't you know, please don't do that. So, um, you know, the platinum rule. Right. Not how you'd want to be treated, but how they want to be treated. Yes, that is an
0: excellent, excellent point. So I'm seeing our Q&A just start to populate. And I, you know, sometimes I I get a little selfish and I don't want to go to the Q&A because I have my own questions (laughs) I want to keep asking. It's such an interesting conversation. Um, Okay. Ooh, Kinley, this is really interesting. Love that Deb said strengths and opportunities rather than strengths and weaknesses. Would love to hear why she chose that language. And how that shift in language applies to how she provides feedback to colleagues. Oh, that's a
2: great catch, Kinley. <laughs> um, and I didn't even realize I was doing that. I think it's just the, again, years of, of having that, that uh, kind of mindset, right? I think weaknesses implies... There's something wrong with you, or that's a personal attribute, or that's something you can't really fix, where as an opportunity is just that you have an opportunity to do something different or better. And I actually don't feel like focusing excessively on opportunities is the right call either. I think People have innate skills and attributes and talents that they bring to the table, unique talents. That's what we should be nurturing and focusing in on. How do you bring your strengths to the table and unleash the potential of your employees and your teams and each other and yourself? (laughs) Um, But opportunities are just that when you have, you know, you're in a meeting and you could have showed up a little bit better. Right. That was an opportunity to change something and um, and build upon you know, your shadow, right, Mary Beth, the one that precedes you and the one that follows you.
1: If can I if I could add on to, I think, your comment about the different strengths and opportunities, you know, when, when you, at least for me, when I look at a team that, that I'm either building or cult, cultivating or growing, you know, I think it's important to really look at all those different strengths and how do you meld them together to get kind of that most dynamic, high-performing team that you can achieve. You know, I've got folks that are, that are drivers, right? They just want to drive. I've got other folks that are data-driven and they're looking at the data and they're trying to make decisions that way. And when you knit all that together, that's when the magic happens for a team. So it is really playing on those opportunities making sure that we call those out on, on how they balance out. Exactly.
0: Here's a question from Amanda Weibolt. Thank you for this question, Amanda. I think it's excellent. Do you have any daily routines you follow to ensure you're showing up every day the best you can? How do you balance being vulnerable, open, and making sure everything you personally need is taken care of so that you can you can show up? It's like on the airplane, you know, moms, put your mask on first and then you can put everybody else's mask on. I think I think that's a really important
2: question. Yeah.
0: You
1: wanna go, Deb?
2: Sure, sure, I can go. Um, so for me the the calendar management is important, right? Uh looking ahead a week and making sure I've got the time uh my calendar is is where it needs to be from a work perspective. I also block out time for my personal workouts on the calendar so that um so just and I hold it as important as I would hold an appointment with my boss or anything else, right? Don't let things encroach on the um, whatever your self-care routine is um make sure that that is sacred on your calendar and then my my daily routine is um uh, dinner at the table with my family so um i i make sure that we eat dinner together even if i have to log on immediately afterwards and, and continue my work day that time block is for me um you know to recharge and again human connection Face to face with the people in my tribe that are important to me, so I can talk about my day and they can talk about theirs, and we have that time to connect. Beautiful and self care. Schedule it. Self care. <laughs>
1: Lock it out. No
2: matter what that looks like to you.
1: Yeah. How about you, Mary Beth? You know it's it's it, it's very similar in terms of um, my day starts with a workout, and I can I can tell when when I haven't had the workout. Um, how, how I just feel, right? You just feel different. Um, but it is taking, it is taking those, those moments and calendaring the things that are important for you. Um, sometimes it's just purely go outside for a walk at lunch, clear your head, get some fresh air. Um, being out in the sun is always a great, a great contributor. But I love, I love what Deb said about her tribe, right? It is important to be able to connect with the people that re-energize you outside of work um, but I think the, the other thing that I would say, is, it's also, too, about encouraging your team to do the same things. Um, we have, you know, I think as, as we all were driving through COVID and trying to make sure that businesses could continue to operate and thrive, we probably got a little more, we encroached a little more on the lunch mm-hmm. hour. We encroached on mm-hmm. the, the later evening meetings. Um, and while I won't say that I'm always perfect because today, I'm actually going to encroach on lunch today with my team, but I'm bringing in lunch. Um, <laughs> but I think making sure that you're giving them the time for their space um, and, and making sure that they're taking those moments for them. Um, we try not to hold meetings after five o'clock. Um, and on Fridays, we really try to say, look, we're unless there's something urgent, I want you to focus from three on on the things that are important to you and whether something is important outside of the office or here, you should be able to go take care of those things. Um, you know, our days don't necessarily start and stop at nine to five and they bleed into the weekend. And so if you've got something that's important, you have to take care of you.
2: Yeah. I think, I think what you said earlier to Mary Beth about when you show up um, it gives other people permission to do the same the way you, the way you show up. So when you take care of yourself, you're, you're also signaling to your team um, that you that you're okay with them taking care of their themselves. Um, I would build on that and say that you know not everybody's in an exempt role, <clears throat> and a lot of people are hourly employees and they're very scheduled. And you know, I spent um, four years on the front lines as a frontline agent, and that's you know it takes an emotional toll, and it's a really really hard job. So. Even then, you have to hold your break sacred, and you have to, you know, make sure that if you are an empl- hourly employer, you're uh, leading hourly employees, that you're being really, really mindful of what happens during those hours, and that you're creating the space to relax, recharge, and reconnect outside of those hours, um, and that during those hours, it is again that 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 trusting relationship and that feedback and that we're all in it for the team's success that becomes even more
1: important yeah yeah I love that call out and thanks for grounding me back on that thought about our hourly employees. They are on the front line, mm-hmm. and um got to make sure you're giving them the time to do the same things even if they if they clock in differently than the rest of us. so it's an amazing call out
0: yeah. one of the things that I'm still working on is if I'm on p t o not calling into that meeting because it's signaling to my team that I'm expecting people to call into meetings or even though I want to catch up on the week and maybe do a little bit of work on a Sunday, I don't need to send these emails out on a Sunday. I can wait until Monday morning because then again, I'm also indicating that that's the expectation. And I think creating that space for people to disconnect and showing them that you are too is important. There's a great question here from Erin. I want to squeeze it in. She says, I love that both of you are working to flip the priority of people first, worker second, the human, start with the human. Uh, It starts with the leader, but what are some initial next steps that anyone can start to do to bring that culture into their work environment?
2: I think just be vulnerable, be be share about yourself. Um, you know, I think people think there's a risk in that. I also think the 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 dialogue is shifting uh with kind of the incoming generation of workers. Um, you know, my kids and and the the younger teams that I lead are so much more comfortable sharing about themselves, sometimes to an excess, right? So there's a limit on <laughs> there's a guardrail on that. Um, but if you you just be the model and you know, I've re- I've started talking about my daughter's struggles with mental health. Um, because so many people struggle with mental health. And for me, it's been an extremely difficult personal journey. And inevitably, whenever I have that conversation, whenever I speak about it publicly, at least one person and usually more reach out to me and say, thank you so much, because I feel like I can't really talk about that. And then you get out on a public platform and you say it and it's like, oh, wow, so many people are dealing with that. Right. So just just start sharing, just start putting stuff out into the world that's unique and genuine to who you are.
1: I love, I love what you just said about the mental health piece. And I, I mentioned it earlier, you know, I think the more that that we start to talk about different things that for many years may have been taboo or people weren't comfortable sharing those types of, of conversations. And, and certainly you have to judge the reaction of the others. And if you're comfortable in the conversation and they see that you're comfortable in it, um they'll they'll start to decide how do they want to share things that potentially they haven't shared in the past and it connects us as human beings. I think it goes back to we are human beings first and then we are leaders or we are workers or we are those other things uh, secondly, but it's um, the the human uh, dimension to it and the mental health is so key um, with the amount of things that come at us every day. It's not like you know there's the, the social media is, is on all the time. And I think just being able to translate some of those things that are happening in the world, um, you know, we are, we're still in Texas and the rest of the nation suffering through the things that happened at Uvalde. And, you know, it's been amazing how many people have wanted to talk about that. And I think you've got to take the time to do that and, and share in their grief. Everybody grieves differently about how they feel about those things.
2: People immediately recognize authenticity when they see it, and they cannot help but respond to it. Exactly.
0: You know, I'm watching that clock, and I think that is a a perfect way to end this episode. People can't help but respond to authenticity. We are all humans first. I'm walking away with thoughts like assume positive intent, seek to understand, slow down and take a breath. That is a personal reminder to myself. Thank you both so much. I couldn't have dreamed of two better guests to tackle this really important topic with. Thank you to this audience. You have asked such important questions. You've driven the conversation in a really great direction. I'm so grateful. That is a wrap on view from the C-suite episode 10. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you next month when the conversation continues. To find out more about Wong Duty's work, transforming businesses through human experience, go to WongDuty.com. If you're a woman in the C-suite and would like to be a guest on this show, please reach out to me at at womenleaders@wongduty.com.